And welcome, everyone, to another episode of The Kuehl Show. I am your host today, the insider of the insiders, Tyler Kuehl, praying that this week, folks, we can get through the entire live show. Uh, knock on wood, so far, so good here. Just a few seconds in here to TKS on this Monday, March the 22nd of 2021. We are making our way through another awful year, folks, but we still have lots to talk about here today on 12 Ounce Sports. 12 Ounce Sports, folks, which is a, a channel, if you haven't noticed, that we're on all the time. It's right there on the bottom. Check it out there, 12 Ounce Sports, where you can also watch us if you're watching us on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, or Zingo TV. If you ever want to check that out, channel 761 on Zingo TV, zingotv.com. Make sure you use the promo code 12 Ounce. That's 1-2-O-N-Z or Z for you improper English users to get on there and join using the promo code 12 Ounce Sports. To watch on Zingo TV, on 12 Ounce Sports, all the great networks you can. Of course, follow them at 12 Ounce Sports, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all that good stuff. Make sure you go on there as well. And of course, we got to make sure we thank our awesome sponsors for today's program, mybookie.ag, down there in the corner. Listen, if anybody's put money down on college basketball as of late, I'm sorry, you may have lost a buck or two. I have not seen this many double-digit seeds win. I know there was the number. It was one short of 2016, I think nine in the first round. However, when a 15 seed actually makes it into the Sweet 16, you know it's crazy. Even in the women's game. By the way, yes, women's basketball, college basketball matters, NCAA, just letting you know. Because obviously, if you've been watching some of those games, holy cow, upset city in that as well. We'll get to the NCAA women's hockey tournament that we previewed last week with Gabriela Fundero, how that ended and how crazy of an ending that was as well this past Saturday. We'll get to that a little bit later on. But... Go on mybookie.ag, use the promo code 12OUNCESPORTS. If you don't know how to spell it, look literally at the logo down at the bottom left. And if you're listening on the podcast, of course, well, it's 12OUNCESPORTS. It's, you know, 1-2-0-Z and then sports, all one word. Go on there, win, and get paid on mybookie.ag. Baseball's coming up as well. So, hey, there's more than one sport. And there's also hockey going on. You know, hockey, it's a sport where you, you slide around the ice, you shovel the puck around a little bit, you try to shoot it and score and stuff. Yeah, that's sport. I don't know who the heck would spend time talking about that sport ever here on 12 Ounce Sports, but make sure we always start to thank our awesome sponsors, Second String Leather Company up there in the corner. Get in there, Second String. We, they got a lot of great stuff going on, 65% off select wallets. Also good deals on all their items. They got the pillows back, which is awesome. I almost bought one myself with my stimulus check coming in this week, but I decided to actually put it towards something good. I'll have to wait for my next actual paycheck get one of those pillows from secondstringleathercompany.com hashtag crafted from the crease secondstringleather.com and of course make sure you check out the awesome TKS swag tacular merchandise that we have on teespring.com slash store slash the cool show the dash cool dash show get your t-shirts women's shirts girls shirts men's shirts boys shirts leggings stickers any other item you want hoodie sweaters crew neck sweaters slouchy boyfriend hoodies or whatever the heck they're called all that cool stuff on teespring.com slash stores slash the cool show. Lots to get to today. Actually, really not. We only got a few things to talk about. Because. But they're just, we're going to talk about things in bulk. Because in about a half hour's time, I'll be by myself. It's okay. No, you thought, oh my gosh, here comes a huge guest. No, guys, if you follow us at the cool show on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, you know we only have one guest today. I'll pertain to him here in just a moment. But in about a half hour, we're going to preview the NWHL Isabel Cup Finals this upcoming weekend. Whoa, Tyler, that's what you weren't going to say. Well, like I said, we got all sorts of stuff to talk about today, but just not a lot. Big stuff. 
in bulk we'll talk about today. The NWHL, the final four, Toronto, Boston, Minnesota, Connecticut, not in that order at all. Those are the matchups in the order, if I'm not mistaken. But we'll talk about those four games and who I think is going to take home the Isabel Cup this year. I made sure I was neutral as heck. I was thought about wearing my Toronto 6 shirt, but I'm like, you know what? I got to be unbiased until it's all said and done because obviously there's a whole lot of time for that to be fixed and a lot of team, or not fixed, a lot for that to be kind of panned out and see how it ends up. Friday is the semifinal, Saturday being the final, all on NBC Sports Network. And of course, there's also something else going on that weekend as well. Not just the fact that there's the state championships this weekend they'll be calling for MHSA, but also the fact that the NCAA, the men's division one, NCAA Tournament Regionals are going on this weekend as well. 16 teams have punched their ticket to the dance. Some obviously were omitted that we must discuss, and we're going to be joined by none other than college hockey analyst from the land of 10,000 lakes, Pat Micheletti, coming back for a second time here, first time this calendar year. We'll be talking with him about it, previewing who he thinks and who I think is going to make it to the Frozen Four going in Pittsburgh, even though it should have been in Detroit. They should have just gone back to Detroit next year, but that's neither here nor there. I don't need to go off that bridge once again. So, like I said, NWHL coming up, and that with Pat will be around 7.15 Eastern time. I had to make sure with him that, uh, because I I kept saying 6.15 with him, but of course he's in Minnesota, which is central time, and I try to do my best to remember to help pertain to our guests that are from other regions and say, well, yes, we're going to, like, can you join... Like when we were chatting with James Sabolski to come on the show, we said, hey, can you come on at three o'clock? Because he's going to come on at six o'clock our time. And I made sure we promoted his show. Hey, his show is at six to nine out in Vancouver, or in our case, nine to 12, because we're Easterners. So yes, 7.15, we'll have Pat McLeady on to preview the NCAA regional tournaments to see who makes their way to Pittsburgh to has a chance to win the national championship. Obviously, there is a lot to get to today, a lot of stuff across the National Hockey League board as well. We'll get to some news and notes later on. But let's actually start off with the, the women's tournament from this past weekend. A couple of upsets, but however, one team that we expected to be in the final was there, the Northeastern Huskies, the undisputed number one team, the team that Gabriela Fundero, that was her preseason pick, and deservedly so. They were a really dominant hockey club, and there they were. In the championship game, we didn't have any goal scoring for the first two periods. And it got a little like, all right, this is going to be a one nothing final. Some people are like, oh, this is boring. Me, Mr. Goaltending Duo, Mr. Defensive Specialist or Aficionado, loved it. It was awesome. They had to spoil it with a couple goals there late, but they go to overtime. Yes, drama. That's what we like to see as well here on TKS. Or at least I like to see it. And then Daryl Watts has the puck for the Wisconsin Badges. The Badges of Wisconsin, Mark Johnson, head coach, Wisconsin Badgers, has it behind the net. Daryl, or not, oh, Daryl Watts has it of the Wisconsin Badgers. Who's coach, not Mark Johnson on the ice. That would be a little weird. This is not 1980. She has the puck behind the goal, looks to center it. Has a player, and one of her teammates out in front, goes off the defenseman and into the back of the net. The flukiest championship winning goal I have seen in some time. And you know what's really funny? And if I'm not mistaken, it was Mark Johnson's only national championship as a player at Wisconsin, 1977, against the University of Michigan at Yost Ice Arena. Over oh, yeah, the old arena there on Grand River and McGraw. Uh, oh, gosh. Who scored that goal? I just hit my mic. I'm so sorry. Now I got to look this up. Oh, man. Uh, 
They won in overtime, though. Long story short, um, hockey championship. Who scored the game-winning goal? Snap, crackle, and pop. Steve Alley. Steve Alley scored the goal. Mark Johnson did actually score twice in that game for the Badgers, but Steve Alley scores the goal with 20, 23 seconds into overtime. They lay win the draw, cycle back around. Alley just comes down the left-wing side, drives the net. Somehow he puts it on goal, ends up sliding it over the line on the road because that pretty much is a road game. And that's what people I don't think realized back then was when Michigan made it in 77. And I think what's what's really odd, if you have to look at the first, look over the history, and this is something I learned when I was doing my recaps of all the NCAA national championships over the years, as I believe it was the first 11 national championships were all held in Colorado Springs, Colorado. Which is funny because now college hockey is so big out in the East. Now it seems like it's Eastern bias, but it really got its origination, at least in terms of national, national. I won't say national notoriety or national exposure, but all of it came from Colorado Springs, and then it started to work its way back east. And then the Olympia held, hosted it in 1977. It was such a big game because, like, this could be the chance that Michigan, because Michigan had not made it to the tournament since 1964 when they last won the thing which was their last championship until 1996. So that's why it was a big deal in 77 to have Michigan hosting, pretty much, hosting the championship game against Wisconsin. And pretty quiet crowd when Wisconsin won that game, shockingly enough. But once again, congratulations to the women's Badgers, the women's Badgers hockey team winning the national championship there. I'll watch the game-winning goal. Upending the number one team from almost wire to wire Northeastern. Certainly an exciting tournament, no question about it. Now it's something Gabriela Fundero and we and I talked about last week. You can watch the interview back on the Kula Show YouTube channel, or if you're listening on the podcast, listen to the podcatcher from last week's episode as well. It'll pretty much just be both of us breaking down all the teams that were in the tournament. And, uh, you know, I I was kind of with her with the Northeastern. I thought, you know, I've, I did believe Wisconsin was going to be good. I didn't think they were going to win it to be honest with you I thought that matchup was going to go in Northeastern's way just because I thought Northeastern had more depth and talent and I thought their goaltending would be a little bit better and just unfortunately their goaltending was good just had one unfortunate bounce that did not go their way the Wisconsin goal was like the <laughs> dad chiming in the Oilers that Wisconsin goal was like the Oilers Steve Smith goal well not that's okay in terms of the fact that the puck came from behind the net dad yes that is true However, I must correct you, Dad. Steve Smith, of course, of the Edmonton Oilers back in the 86. He's talking about the 86 uh, Smite Division final. He's talking about, my dad is, chiming in here on the YouTube chat. He's You're wrong in the one aspect, the fact that Steve Smith played for the Oilers. So it was friendly fire, that goal. And that one also went off the goaltender's foot. But in terms of, yes, banking off someone and ended up a game that ended up winning a series or winning a championship in this case, in Wisconsin's case, what people don't quite remember, though, is that goal by Steve Smith, or the, the own goal by Steve Smith, happened so early in the third period. It wasn't like it was like a minute 20 left. This was like early in the third period. And somehow Edmonton, this high-powered Edmonton Oilers offense, could not recover. One of those little-known facts for you about Steve Smith. Steve Smith, who was recently uh, fired from the Buffalo Sabres, which is where we're going to carry to now the Buffalo Sabres firing. Ralph Kruger last week after a 12-game lose in the midst of a 12-game losing streak. Yeah, the Buffalo Sabres guys, and I talked about it quite a bit last week on the show. They're not good. Like, 
I thought, and I said this before the season, I said New Jersey was going to be Detroit bad this year. How was I supposed to guess that the Buffalo Sabres, who actually have quite a bit of young talent on their roster, that they were going to be Detroit bad this year? I tried to get a couple people on the show. Unfortunately, I couldn't get either, but they're... You have to look at the fact that how can they be this bad for this long, the Buffalo Sabres? I I wonder how bad this team can be and for as long as they can be. Excuse me, I got to run your nose here. I cleaned myself there because I don't know why my nose started running all of a sudden. They're 6-19-4. They do play tonight at 7 o'clock. They're taking on the Rangers who all of a sudden look like the favorite to win that game by a landslide. But let's just take a quick look at their schedule here. Because I, you got to wonder if they'll ever get a win at this point. And so they, they game again on Saturday got postponed due to COVID protocols, but they had not say one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. 11, 12, 13. They're at 13 games now. So they've only played one game since they brought in Don Granado to be the interim head coach. Granado, who has coached at the collegiate level head coach. He's been an associate head coach in the American League, head coach in the American League, assistant coach in the National Hockey League as well. Done a lot with St. Louis Blues. Never been a head coach in the NHL. His assistants are going to be Matt Ellis, former Grand Rapids Griffins captain and legend Matt Ellis. And Dan Girardi, former New York Ranger, uh, Tampa Bay Lightning. Yeah, those are the two big teams that he played for back in his time. There's probably a team, a couple teams thrown in there, but Tampa and New and the Rangers are the two teams that Girardi was most known for. They're named his interim assistants. So now what does this mean for the Buffalo Sabres? Jack Eichel, as far as we know, is still out for the foreseeable future. I don't know if there's something I could say differently than from what I said last week. Because I kind of just went on the the Buffalo Sabres are bad and whatnot. But now it's turned into what to do with the Buffalo Sabres. What the Buffalo is going on? Like that's, that has now become a verb to be completely abysmal despite having the cards in your favor. That team was garbage to get Connor McDavid, Jack Eichel. They ended up getting Jack Eichel instead of Connor McDavid, but you thought, all right, you know what? We didn't get the generational talent, but we still got a really good player. As Chris Rock said in the longest yard, we didn't get the whole Hershey's bar, but we got a Hershey's kiss. You know what? A little something's better than nothing. And what have they done with Jack Eichel? Gave him an $80 million contract and pretty much signed him to a team that is just going to suck for so long for his entire contract. I'm trying to think of a player that literally signs with a team and realizes that this entire contract, the entire time he's there, he's just going to be bad. Like Marcel Dion was a Detroit Red Wing and he was able to get out of there because they were bad. And what did Marcel Dion do? Ended up becoming one of the greatest players to unfortunately never win the Stanley Cup. Marcel wouldn't, and before Dad you'd say anything, Marcel Dion would never have won a Stanley Cup with Detroit, and you know that. He played in the 70s for them, and then partly into the 80s before he got traded to the Rangers. Regardless, my thing is, 
86. Dan, no. Dad just, I'm sorry, I just look back at the YouTube chat here. Dad says 86 Stanley Cup playoffs were against the New York Islanders. Dad, don't you dare try to correct me. You are wrong. It was against the Flames in the Smite Division final. The Islanders and the Oilers, those two finals were in 83 and 84. Now, yes, they did play back in 81 against each other in the second round of the playoffs. But the 86 playoffs, the Steve Smith goal, just go watch. Dad, you're on YouTube. Just search Steve Smith own goal. It was against Calgary. I know this. Anyways, back to the bad, sad Buffalo Sabres. I I don't understand. Oh, breaking news here. Oilers, Canadians. Oh, my gosh, guys. It's fine. It's officially happened. The first game in the North Division has been postponed. Oilers and Canadians have been postponed tonight. Wow. Well. Uh, that's something. This is from Francois Gagnon from RDS. Like all my, and this is translated from English. Like all my colleagues, I'm in contact with the NHL and the Montreal Canadiens to find out whether or not the game against the Oilers will take place due to Armia and Keith, not Keith Kincaid, or no, COVID withdrawals and indicate that they're awaiting final decision from the league. So that was about two minutes ago. And so pretty much all signs are pointing towards the game being canceled. Well, that's a bummer. So, well, that makes it official for that aspect here. Just quickly turn on to this story here. Or there's in Canadians being postponed. That is the first game in the North Division this season, which has proudly prompted itself as being the division that has not had any issues with traveling and COVID or whatnot because of their very strict travel policies and COVID policies in Canada, finally postponing a game. And, you know, that's it's a bummer, obviously. I mean, it's seemingly like it was going to happen eventually. But you really thought maybe, just maybe, that it was going to happen. But regardless, tough to see the Oilers and Canadians. That game was supposed to be tonight. And as I quickly skimp over the schedule here, as I click it, let me just go on to tsn.ca as I'm already on it right now. That game was supposed to be tonight at 7 o'clock. And that was, that can be the first of two. Yes, the first of two games between those two teams at Le, Bet, or Center de Bell up in Montreal. So obviously it's a real bummer on that news front because pretty sure it have been a pretty interesting couple of games because Edmonton and Winnipeg right now, the way the Leafs have played as of late, they're really making their way up and possibly competing for the North Division title, which at one point looked like it was going to be all Toronto. And then, they decided they weren't going to win for a few games. Not as bad as Buffalo, but you get the point. So flipping back here to the Buffalo Sabres side of things, the question is now what do you do if you're Kevin Adams? Kevin Adams tried to make it seem like, I'm not saying everything was okay during that press conference following the firing of Ralph Kruger and company, but you got to wonder, I mean, what is he supposed to do? This is his first ever job. He is a... In, I don't, people are coming out saying, oh, he's never been a general manager at any level, an assistant GM, anything like that. And I get that. But he knows the game. Kevin Adams, a Stanley Cup champion. He's play, played in the NHL for a very long time. I don't think he hit like a thousand games, but he played in there for a good cup of coffee. And I wonder what the what the plan is moving forward now. You have Taylor Hall signed through the rest of the season, but he can let him walk for free and try to move him. You, the odds are seem like you have to try to move him. Whether it be you move him for for less or you retain something, but you got to find a way to get rid of him and get something back. 
Eric Stahl's the same way. You find, I mean, Eric Stahl, who seemed like he just doesn't want to be there in general because he looks so frustrated. And of course, we have the big fish, Jack Eichel. Now, Jack Eichel's contract, like we talked about off the top, it was an $80 million contract they signed. And everyone, everyone looked at it and said to ourselves, what did we all say? This is going to be bad. Because why? Because he signed with the Buffalo Sabres for a, almost a decade. Yet, here we are, a team on the back end. Somehow the Buffalo Sabres have spent more money than the Toronto Maple Leafs this year. In terms, according to CatFriendly.com here, Jack Eichel, 10 years through 2026. However, here's the kicker. There is, it's a, a no a no move clause from 2022 to 2023. So this season and next are the two seasons, or the final two seasons that Jack Eichel could be dealt, no questions asked. His no move clause does not have anything on it according to CatFriendly. But typically, that usually means that if he does want to get moved, he has to, he submits a list, 10, 12, tra- 10, 12 team, no trade list. Uh, this is looking like a deal that I'm pretty sure Jack Eichel, Jack Eichel, because he signed this back on October the 3rd, 2017, when the Buffalo Sabres were still bad, still very bad. I don't think anyone can ignore that. However, I like to see the fact that he thought maybe there'd be signs of improvement, but at that point there really wasn't, so which I'm kind of shocked he signed for that long. That was maybe a money thing for the youngster. He's he is a kid, and and I I don't think it was Botterill at the time was the GM. But regardless, when a team sets you down and says, here's $80 million, we'd like to give it to you for the next 10 years or next eight years. And he signs it because, shoot, you'd be dumb not to. It's $80 million. But then you realize that you're signed for eight years with the Buffalo Sabres. But then, hold on. It looks like it's possible. You got Jeff Skinner coming in here. You got Carter Hutton, who's he almost took the job away from Jack Allen in St. Louis. Okay. All right. He can be our starting goaltender. Rasmus risks the lion. And okay, cool. We got this Victor Olison guy. Okay. We, we got to be better, right? We're going to get better, right? Sammy Reinhardt signing back. Cool. He's buying in the system. All right. Phil Howes is our head coach. We'll be good, right? 10-game win streak will be good, right? No. They suck. And I use that word in the most loving fashion I possibly can. Because there's no other way to describe the Buffalo Sabres. And, you know, I was listening to the 31 Thoughts podcast this past weekend, the latest one. And they start off the show talking about, of course, Ralph Kruger. And one thing Jeff Merrick said, despite being, you know, Southwest uh, Ontario guys, him and Elliot Friedman, they don't cheer for the Buffalo Sabres, but they want the Buffalo Sabres to do well. And I, for some reason, I'm in that same boat. I don't know if it's because I just like the fan base there, the market there. And I'm pretty sure if we brought Pete Weber back on the show, the National Predators play-by-play man, he'd say the same thing. He worked there for a number of years. He knows how it used to be in the old War Memorial, the old odd down there in Buffalo. The fan base there loves their teams no matter what. Shoot, the Bills Mafia became a thing because the Bills sucked and there had to be something you had to go watch when you went down to Ralph J. Um, was it Ralph J. Wilson or um, I forget what the Buffalo Bills stadium name is now. 
Something like that. Ralph J. Wilson? I think so. But you got to go down there and watch something entertaining because it ain't going to be the Bills. So let's go watch people get put through flaming tables. That's fun, right? But people still go to those games. Same thing with the Sabres. The team is bad, but had there not been COVID restrictions, that barn would probably still be at least 70%, 75% full on any given night. And when the Leafs come to town, if because it would be the Atlantic Division still, it'd be full to the brim of blue and white. But that's just because Leafs fans are willing to travel. Because if you live in like St. Catharines or Niagara Falls area, yeah, I'd drive about 45 minutes to go watch the Leafs play for cheap. But regardless, I you want them to do well. But now you got to think about like if you're Jack Eichel, why would you stay? This franchise has shown you no signs of improvement during your tenure at all. One 10-game win streak made it seem like just maybe. And one hot streak by Jeff Skinner, and you thought maybe this team is going to turn a corner. Oh, you're right. They tailed off in the second half, but you know what? All good teams got to learn that consistency is key. They'll figure it out next year. It's been two years. It's been two years. Well, 1920 was shorter, and now obviously we have a shortened season this year. But the team is still awful. With the talent they brought in, with the development that they're supposed to have. But then again, this team has no scouting in the Western Hockey League or the OHL. There's no scouting out of Russia, no scouting in Finland. The scouts are a joke. The scouting system's a joke there. Is it a money thing, Pajulas? What is it? Because they're not even trying to make this team better, this franchise better. They're bring, they're hiring the general manager that was their, I won't say their friend, but that's been around the franchise for a while, and it's an easy pick because he's a guy that seemed like he wants to get on the hockey ops side, so let's make Kevin Adams our general manager. Never done it before, but let's try it. Now, yes, I'm not going to say the team on the ice is his fault that's the team he inherited after Botterill got fired. And it's, it's very difficult, especially this year, to try to turn a franchise around as a GM. You can't just make trades freely because you have to worry about COVID testing, how many days can he miss, and whatnot. It's obviously easier down in the States, unless you were, you know, if you're trading from a team into Canada, because of the fact of the 14-day quarantine right now still. Shout out Winnipeg Jets. Yet, why does this continue to happen with this team? Now, I'm not saying just burn the whole thing down. I mean, because obviously the NHL is never going to do the thing where they're going to rip a team away from an ownership just because the team is bad for a long period of time. That'll never happen. It'll never happen in any sport, Okay. Just look at the Marlins, for example. Just Well, that's because Derek Jeter is, you know, a baseball god, and obviously you can't take it away from him because it's Derek Jeter, even though he just traded Jerrell Stanton a few years back for literally a bag of balls and a Gatorade bottle. So, regardless, I, I look at the Sabres, and I, I seriously tried to figure out what do they need to do to get better? Because something is lingering within that franchise, in the locker room there at First Niagara Center, that just somehow makes it incapable for them to win. There is a mantra, there is an attitude of playing for Buffalo right now that is not positive, not optimistic, and the work ethic is showing. The team is getting kicked up and down the ice every single night. Poor Rick Janert is just living right now in exile because he's just like, what What are we, what, what, what? What? I can't, I can't do a good reaction right now. Hold on. <clears throat> what are we doing right now? What is going on with the Buffalo Sabres? I, that's my best reaction impression. I'm sorry. I'm not, I'm not the best at him. 
but you know what I mean, guys? Like, what is this team actually trying to do? Are they trying to get better? Because they're just, let's just fire the coach. That's the best thing we can do right now. Yes, because Ralph Kruger, who, by the way, had the team at about 500 last season before the before the season pause, he was not doing an awful job. He just, what, wasn't in the playoffs yet in his first season? And then, yes, he going on a 12-game losing trick here because, yes, the players gave up on him and what have you, but I, I don't know. I feel like it. it's all pointing to the fact that I don't want to say the word tank because they tanked already and they got Jack Eichel and they still suck. But it's seeming like you have to get rid of all these big name players. You have to find a way to get rid of Skinner, get rid of Stahl. And yes, I'm going to say it, kids, get rid of Eichel, rest the line, and get rid of any player right now that's a part of your core and start a brand new one. Because for some reason, this core, despite the talent that it's supposed to possess and supposed to put on the ice, hasn't done Jack squat. Why is this such a difficult concept to get? If your team's not playing well, figure out, change something. The coaches have changed over and 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 over again, and nothing, nothing has changed. So why is Ralph Kruger the martyr? Well, he is the martyr in this scenario, but why is he the guy that you think you need to get rid of? Seriously. This trade deadline should be just sell it all, be the sell it all Sabres, because everyone has a price tag this year. I don't get why that should be an issue. Yes, everyone's like, but Jack Eichel's still great. Yes, he is. However, it's not working with him. It's not working with the players around him. Yes, now we've learned that the Pagulas and the Pajulas, people say it on both ways. I'm going to say Pajulas. They clearly have, despite this awesome, you know, passion for the Sabres, they have shown that they're cheapies and they really don't care for the success of this hockey club or the, the image of it being a positive one, as we've learned in the past as well. So I, I don't know what, if you're Kevin Adams, you just got to find a way to start making this team better. Get rid of the big name players, start a brand new core, start it all over. Start from scratch. If you want to be your team, or less if it is Terry in your ear just whispering, let's get rid of Ralph Kruger. This would be a really good idea. Fire him right now. 12-game losing, and uh, and then uh, we can do something else after this and do some of the trade deadline. That's pretty much, if that's what he's doing in your ear, Kevin, well, that's a problem. <laughs> if your owner is your general manager, Harold Ballard, that's not a good thing. I'm just telling you this right now, children. So you, you got to figure out a way to come back and bounce it around because I... I, I don't get how they can keep doing this for as long as they've had. It's it's embarrassing. It's embarrassing that this thing keep happen, keeps happening. So we're going to take a quick break, folks. When we come back, we're going to talk more about the NWHL Isabel Cup final coming up here on the Cule Show. We'll be back right after this. And welcome back to the Kuehl Show, everyone. Tyler Kuehl here on this Monday, March the 22nd. We're going to talk here about the NCAA Men's Division I Tournament. We talked about the women's and how it ended with Wisconsin winning the national title this past Saturday. Now let's get over to the men's side. This coming weekend, the regionals 
are starting across the nation. And with that, we need a little bit of help. He is a man who covers college hockey up in Minnesota as part of the Beyond the Pod podcast up there on KFAN 100.3 FM. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the show for the second time, Pat Micheletti. Pat, how are we doing today? I'm doing just great, and it's great to be back. Yeah, I appreciate you coming back, taking the time today. How's everything up in Minnesota? Hopefully is good, maybe not better than the last time we talked. Hey, it's it's March Madness, right? And, uh, you know, the, the, all the teams are getting ready, and, and um, you know, the high schools are going, the colleges are going, and, you know, our Minnesota Wild are playing awfully well. So it's, uh, it, it's, it's a good time of the year. Oh, it's a wonderful time. And this weekend's going to be busy, not just with the NWHL, but also the NCAA hockey tournament. And let's, let's start off with the, not the teams that are in it. We'll get to those matchups here in just a moment, Pat, but the teams that are not in it. And the first one I want to start off with mainly just because I love the underdog story, but it hurts to see it. St. Lawrence. They win the ECAC champions for the first time in 20 years. Going to go to the tournament for the first time, and I believe it was 14, and COVID, literally hours after they beat Quinnipiac to win the championship. It hurts. Uh, Yeah, uh, unbelievable. Brett Brecky, you know, who took the job, uh, I believe, a year ago. He's in his second year now. And, you know, I I mean, they had issues all year. I mean, I think they played a total of 16 games. And... uh, and, and they were under 500, they were six and 10, but you know, they had so many breaks and in and out and uh, you know, he got them ready to play and, and, you know, had the big upset in the, in the final and, and then to find out, you know, hours later that um, you know, they had a problem and it turns out he was a problem and you know, you, you feel really bad for the kids and well, and, and for Brett and, and the whole program and, you know, he's trying to build that up. It would have been a, a good recruiting tool, uh, for him, um, you know, getting back to the NCAAs, putting them back on the map. Um, that program has been down for a while and, you know, it's, um, it's really, really unfortunate, uh, for him, but, you know, you know, they, uh, they'll just have to, you know, get back at it next year. Yeah. That's the tough part. So this was the perfect year for something like this to happen in that ECAC with only the four teams of teams like Cornell, Dartmouth, Yale, right. Union, all being out of it. So like, this was their chance to really at least make a name for themselves to at least get into the tournament. But now Quinnipiac gets the bid, the loan bid coming out of the ECAC because Clarkson had to cancel the rest of their season. Not too long ago. It's been a very odd season. Nonetheless. However, the big news of course, coming from the land of 10,000 lakes, Pat, all five Division One teams making the tournament this year. We'll get to them individually, but yeah, I, I've been seeing your stuff on Twitter. You've been excited about it. All five teams in from Minnesota making the tournament. What do you think that means for the game? Well, I, you know, I just I think it's uh, it's uh, you know uh, you know you, you you pat yourself on the back if you're from the state of Minnesota. You um, you know you you look at the programs and the and the and the, and the people that run those programs. You know, we have five really, really high-level coaches here. Um, it says a lot about the youth hockey program and the number of kids that are developed and go to these different schools. I, I know Herb Brooks is looking down today awfully, awfully proud because he had a vision of of expanding Division One hockey in the state of Minnesota uh, when there were only two at the time, and that was Minnesota Duluth and, and Minnesota and he started the program at St. Cloud, and then that uh, carried on to Bemidji, and 
and Mankato. And, you know, it, it, it's really, it, it's, uh, it's really great to see. And, you know, the funny thing is I do a, a, a weekly poll where I rank the teams on a weekly basis throughout the year. And, you know, and just to see the passion of the fans from the schools, I get texts and Twitch, Twitter, you know, uh, DMS and the whole deal, um, you know, about why their team is ranked five this week instead of three or two or one. And, um, you know, we're, we're just blessed. And, uh, and so, um, you know, it's a, it's a feather in the hat to the state and, and, uh, and to the, uh, individual teams. And of course, next season will be the first season for, uh, for St. Thomas, St. Thomas. Saint, over there in St. Paul to be the, the Tommies making the jump to division one, along with the rest of their programs next season. So probably the best year that they could do it, say this year that all teams, cause I'm not sure if St. Thomas will be the, the first year, uh, dominant program. They do got a good group over there. It'll be interesting to see who, well, you know, you know, what's in, you know, what's interesting about that. You know, they, I mean, they're, this is going to be the, one of the most coveted jobs in college hockey. And, and you may laugh at that, but, um, the, 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 the campus is located about, oh, three and a half, four miles from the, the university of Minnesota. And, um, it's a, it's a private college and it, it, uh, um, it's got a lot of money behind it. A lot of alumni money behind it. They're going to build an arena, um, you know, and, and with the rules that are in place for next year. Now, depending upon who they get as a coach, but, you know, they're going to be allowed to, to accept transfers and not have them sit out. So they might be a little bit better than one might think, um, you know, with a program just starting out. So, you know, it, it, it's going to be interesting to see which way the, the new coach goes. But, um, you know, it, it has everything to offer, you know, with the Minnesota Wild here and, you know, the metropolitan area and the nut in the recruiting base. Um, you know, I, I think it's a program that can, that, you know, may not be great right away, but, but has a chance to be pretty good. Yeah. That's I think the biggest thing too, cause I've, I've talked to a couple people cause of course they're joining the CCHA and I work a lot with Ferris State with Harrison one. I get to meet a lot of the teams that are going to be in the CCHA next year. And we're talking right. to them and they're excited to have them board being the eighth member of the revamped CCHA conference. And, but let's get to the, let's get to the regionals here. And the reason why I want to start in the West regional now, actually we should, let's get the quick take here, Pat. There's been a lot of questions. We'll get to some of the other regionals that may have the bigger kind of story with this, but the travel aspect has been something that's been a really big question because the NCAA came out and said, we're going to do everything we can for the regionals to limit travel and whatnot. And there are some teams that were in their own backyard and whatnot, which is good. However, then you have a team like AIC traveling to North Dakota, and then you have literally the Bridgeport, Connecticut regional, the East regional, which has Wisconsin, Lake Superior State, and Bemidji State. The only team that's from the East in that one is UMass. And I, do you wonder, was there just, did they forget what they were saying and they just kind of threw the teams together and didn't really look at which region they were going to? Or do you think that maybe they just, it wasn't going to be fiscally possible to put some teams in? What do you think happened? when the NCAA had kind of had to backtrack on their initial statement and kind of just forced teams to travel for this regional tournaments. Well, I think initially it was all, you know, what, what was the COVID situation like? Um, and, and I think, uh, you know, with the, with the vaccine and, and people getting it and, you know, the um, things have calmed down a little bit on that front. I, I, I think that had a little bit to do with it. 
Um, and I don't, you know, quite frankly, I don't think they knew. I think, I think in, in, in December they were thinking, you know, we're just going to take eight from the East, eight from the West, keep eight, all eight out East and eight, you know, all eight together in the West. And, and, uh, so, you know, I think, um, I think the restrictions from the CDC kind of lessened a little bit. And, and I think, you know, the precautions that they put in place, um, you know, as far as, you know, the, you know, keeping the teams together and, and, and their travel and, and, um, and just all, all the protocols that are in place really, um, you know, I think was the underlying factor and, and them going, you know, just putting it together the way they did. Well, it's obviously for, like I said, they are able to figure it out there. There is the West region. We'll start there in terms of breaking it down, down over in Loveland, Colorado. So in terms of, you know, you got Omaha, Minnesota, Minnesota state, Quinnipiac is the only outlier in this one. So this one, they did a really good job of keeping them to the West, if you will. But the number one seed in that region, the Minnesota golden Gophers, the big 10 champions, making them the or they were they're a five-time national championship winning team minnesota 23 and 6 on the year taking on omaha in the first round 14 10 and 1 omaha is a interesting team because i i've been i don't know what it is about omaha but i really just like to cheer for the underdogs and this season they you know they only went 14 10 and 1 but they had a real good bubble in baxter arena and they had a little bit of a down stretch there towards the end, had four really tough games against North Dakota, which made it a little bit tough for them, but they were able to get in despite losing in the quarterfinals. Is Omaha one of those teams, Pat, that literally was a coin flip of not being in this tournament possibly? Well, I think so. Uh, you know, they, um, they finished fourth in, in, in the conference. Uh, you know, I did not have them penciled in, uh, but then again, I didn't think uh, there'd be 11 teams from um, the so-called West region, okay, or from the West part of the country. Um, and so, you know, the, the one thing about them, um, you know, they beat North Dakota twice, okay? Yep. Um, they beat some awfully good teams. Uh, you know, the, 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 the key to their team is their goaltending. Carter Savoy is one of the best goaltenders in the country. And, uh, you know, they may give Minnesota some fits. They're, you know, they, they play hard. They're well-coached. Um, you know, they probably aren't as flashy uh, of a team that they used to be under a Dean Blaze, but Mike Gabinet um, has done a, a, an awfully good job uh, of, of putting his own system in. And, you know, it, it's not going to be a walk in the park for Minnesota. Uh, I think Minnesota will win the game. But, uh, you know, when, when I look at the first round matchups, I, I look at that one and that that's going to be one to watch. It, it's so incredible. And of course, a lot of Minnesota fans, they remember Holy Cross from back in the day, and they're like, we don't want to take these first-round matchups too lightly. But, of course, I mean, this, look at this Gopher team. We we talked about it right after Christmas, you and I and yep. Alex, last time. They This was a team that was – they were 8-0. They ended up being 10-0 and before they finally faltered. Is this team, you know, they ended up going 23-6 and like we mentioned. Has this team gotten better in your eyes? Have they stayed the course? What do they meet the expectations that you had after they kind of started to stumble a little bit, or are they showing like they should be a number one team in this region? Well, here's what they showed me. Um, they, they lost a pair of games at home to Notre Dame. Yep. And you know, which is, which is highly unusual, um, that you're going to get swept at home. Not many teams do. Um, and so my, my question right there was, what are they, you know, 
are, are, are they going to pout? Are they going to um, know that they're good and come back and, and, and be better prepared and be ready to play the following weekend? Uh, and they did that. And, and uh, you know, that impressed me quite a bit with them. Um, they're a team that believes in themselves. Uh, you know, we, we've talked about their depth before. They, you know, that's a big, big key to their team is, is their depth up front. Um, not a lot of superstars up front, but a lot of depth, a lot of guys that can play. And, and Bob's not afraid to play four lines. And then you go to the back end, uh, you know, and, and you know, I, I look at them and I look at North Dakota with the best set of defensemen in the country. Uh, you know, pick or, you know, pick one or the other and, you know, you wouldn't go wrong. Um, and then again, you know, uh, Jack LaFontaine in the net has been terrific. He's up for the Hobie Baker candidate. Uh, he's a Hobie Baker candidate. And, you know, he's got he's got some miles, um, you know, on that body. And, and he and he's been around and, and um, you know, he can handle a tough situation. So, um, you know, they feel real good about themselves going into this weekend. And, you know, we'll uh, we'll have to see. Yeah, you definitely have to see seven players with 20 points, by the way, talking about the depth on the yep. offensive end for the Gophers. LaFontaine, ready for these numbers, the official numbers at the end of the year. 27 games played, most games played, most minutes played of any goaltender. 21 wins, that's the best. 21-6 and six record. 1.74 goals against average, that's third in the country. 9.36 save percentage, that's second. And he's tied for second with Straussman for five shutouts. Not too shabby, Mr. Micheletti. No. And, you know, and, and, and if you ask Jack, he'll say, you know what, I've got great, great D in front of me. And, uh, and he does. And, you know, you, you need everybody and, and you, you, you want your goaltender to make that first save. Jack does that. And then you want him to make that, that tough save. And, and that's what he's been able to do. And that's why Minnesota has won so many games. And the guy I thought that was going to be a shoe in for the Mike Richter award this year is the number two team in the region, Minnesota state, and some people are questioning that they're the number two seed just because of the fact that they lost in the WCHA semis to Northern Michigan. However, the team throughout the season, Pat, these Mavericks, and I've watched them firsthand. I actually watched the game when Dryden McKay got pulled against Ferris State, which was, trust me, a shocker to say mm-hmm. the least, because that almost never happens. But every other time this season, they just looked extremely dominant defensively. They don't have any big scores similar to the Gophers, but all around they have depth offensively and they're a really good defense core. And that's why Dryden McKay's numbers are so good as well. Yeah. They, they defend well and they're a heavy team and they're hard to, they, 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 they make it hard to play against them. Uh, you know, you, you are going to have some bumps and bruises at the end of the night when you play them. And uh, you know, Mike Hastings is another, you know, fantastic coach and you know, they, and he gets the older guys, they don't get rattled. Um, you know, that the loss that they had, they just weren't ready to play. And, uh, and that's on them, you know, and that's on the players and, 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 you know, I expect them, you know, they haven't won an NCAA game in the history, uh, of their existence in division one. Right. And, um, and so, you know, they want to get that monkey off their, their back. I think they have, um, the right opponent in the, in the first round. Um, and so, uh, you know, I, I, I expect them uh, to be on their game uh, this weekend and, and, and get their first win and play Minnesota in that final. That'd be interesting. They do have to go through the Bobcats of Quinnipiac, who has the second best score in the country in Odin Tuftoe, six goals and 38 assists. First in the ECAC, yep. Ethan DeJong, and a very, very, very notable and very worthy 
Mike Richter Award nominee and Keith Petrozelli in that, who in 17-6-4 this year has one of the best save percentages in the country as well. That right there, I mean, obviously LaFontaine and McKay for me is probably the dream matchup out of this regional, but in terms of the first round, that's not a bad goaltending matchup. Yeah, I think we're going to see a low-scoring game, <laughs> to be one quite nothing. honest. Let's go. You know, I, you know, I, I really do. Um, you know, and it, 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 it's going to come down to Will in that one, right? Uh, you know, who can, who can get the first goal keep the lead and, you know, and make the other team chase you all night. And, and, you know, so I, I, I think it's, I think in that game, it's going to be really, really important uh, to get that first goal and, and then, you know, not hold on, but just play your game and you can play a little bit differently and you can defend a little bit differently and, and you don't have to take as many chances. Um, so, you know, that it, 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 it's not going to be the most exciting game to watch, but yet it, it'll be a good one. Yeah, no question about it. Because I, they Minnesota State, they they love to play with the lead. I, I mean, yeah. Mike Hastings' teams have always loved to be just all right. Let's get out in front and just hold on and don't let anyone. Like I'll be honest, if there was the equivalent college hockey equivalent to the 1995 New Jersey Devils, it would be the Minnesota State Mavericks. Well, yeah, they they play a pro style. You know, they have big wingers. They have you know they're they're a big team and 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 they're an older team. And when you're older. You're, 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 you know, when you have 21, 22 year olds going up against 18, 19 year olds, um, that that's a big difference, right. And in, in size and strength and, uh, and, you know, just being around the block. And, and so, um, you know, they're, they, you know, listen, I, they, they know what, they know what they're playing for this year and, and, uh, they want to get that monkey off their back. No question about it. So you got Minnesota state over Knipiak. Minnesota over Omaha Mavericks versus Gophers, then battle of the 10,000 lakes for to get under the frozen four. Who would you pick in that one? I tell you what, that will be a battle. It really will be a battle. Very because, contrasting styles, you know, you know, contrasting styles. The one thing that Minnesota has added this year is a little bit, a little bit more bulk. And, and, um, they played them a year ago. Oh yeah. I believe it was a year ago. and, and it was a manhandling and, and Bob knew it, you know, he said, listen, it was, it was boys against men out there tonight, you know, is what, you know, he relayed to me. And, and so I think, you know, Minnesota had to add a little beef and they've got that in their lineup now. And so, I, you know, I, quite frankly, I, I think it'll be um, a terrific game should it happen. It would be certainly be interesting. So let's move over now to the, I guess the Midwest region, even though I, yep. uh, I guess North Dakota is still in the Midwest ish. But yes, Fargo, North Dakota, the home team, if you will, will be the number one seed. The North Dakota Fighting Hawks, 21, <coughs> excuse me, 21, five and one NCHC champions. They've won this tournament eight times. It's been a couple of years. Then again, uh, 2016 wasn't too long ago. 27 was it uh, 2017? Yeah, no, yep. 2017 was Denver. 2016 right. was North Dakota. That's right. Right. One of those NCHC teams won it the, that year. They'll be taking on AIC, the Atlantic Hockey Champs. And, you know, on paper, Pat, yes, it's say, all right, North Dakota's going to walk away with this one. They have a really good team. Adam Shield, Shane Pinto, Colin Adams, Jordan Kawaguchi, another Hobie Baker nominee. But AIC, they just, I don't know what it is. St. Cloud State, a couple of years ago, I was like, well, they can do anything. <laughs> well, here's the deal. AIC, you know, this is a game of one team that, will completely overmatch another team. You can throw that out the window as St. Cloud found out two years ago. Um, you know, 
Eric Lang is, a, is one of the most coveted coaches in, in college hockey and has done a terrific job there. And he will put a system in that will um, try to ultimately frustrate the you-know-what out of North Dakota. North Dakota is awfully talented. And, you know, they're, they're going to have to stick to their game plan, not get frustrated, try to dominate the game, wear out um, AIC, and, and you know, come away with, with a win. They should win the game. Uh, they should be favored to win the national title. Um, they felt that they should have won it a year ago. Um, you know, they're very well coached in Bradbury. And, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're loaded with talent. But you know what? One game situation, um, you know, you, you, you give up that first goal and then you never know, right? And, uh, and any team can work hard enough to defend, defend, defend all night long. And um, I expect North Dakota to win, but it, it's not, it may not be as easy as some think. Yeah, no question about it. I, and trust me, I remember there was a game in, in Van Andel Arena. One, I think it was the Midwest Regional. I forget what year it was, but it was Air Force beating Michigan. And I just remember right? myself, Air Force has a hockey team? <laughs> yes. But no, AIC, they stunned a lot of people. But yeah, North Dakota, they they are they were my pick heading into the season of being the team to beat after the, the way they ended last season. And I think they still have a really good shot to do it today. Um, yeah. The, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. All go right. ahead. I was about to go to the other one. Go ahead, Pat, if you want to finish the thought there. Oh, no. Uh, let's let's move on to Michigan and UMD. The rematch of the 2012 NCAA Division One National Championship that no one likes to talk about ever. But, however, ah. today, two 10-loss teams, though, number two and three, Michigan number two, 15-10-1, lost in the Big Ten semis in overtime to the Gophers. Minnesota Duluth losing in the semis to St. Cloud, another close game. They are 14-10-2. And this is a very interesting game because a goaltending, Pat, I may give that to Michigan. Strauss man this year, despite the 11-9-1 record, has a good goals against, a solid save percentage. Just the team in front of them sometimes couldn't score. Minnesota Duluth, though, they have Nick Sweeney and Jackson Cates. And I'll be honest, offense versus offense, I don't know, who do you really give the favor to here? Well, I do. Uh, I give it to Michigan. Um but, but here's the deal. Here's the deal. I, I think this will be the best game of the first round. Not even close. I think it's going to go um, um, back and forth. And, and the difference in, in, in these two teams, in my opinion, I think Michigan is, um, I'll put them up there in the top three of the most talented teams in the country. Okay? So, so here's the deal. What Michigan team are we going to see? Are we going to see their the, uh, their A team or are we going to see their C team? I don't think there's a B team. They're either really, really, really good or in that mediocre range. And that has to do with their um, maturity level, their youth. and and But when they come ready to play, um, they're as good as anybody in the country. Duluth, on the other hand, is, um, you know, they lost a lot of guys. Uh, you know, we're talking Perunovic and Samberg and their goaltender, Hunter Shepard, and, and um, you know, the, the forward Richards up front, uh, who's with the New York Rangers organization. Um, w- Scott Sandlin is a mastermind in the playoffs I- as far as coaching, and he gets his team to play very disciplined, uh, very systematic, um, they all play the same way and they play the same way throughout the whole game. So for me, 
Is Michigan going to be able to handle that? Are they going to be able to get UMD out of their comfort level, make them do things that they typically wouldn't do? Um, they have the they have the uh, the um, athletic ability to do that and the skill level to do that. Will they be able to do it? What Michigan team is going to show up that night? If they do, um, you know, I'm going to give the edge to Michigan, quite frankly, because I think they can score more goals in UMD. Um, so, uh, and, 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 you know, one other, one other, uh, point on UMD, they've had one of the worst penalty kills in college hockey. If they get in penalty uh, trouble against Michigan, it could be a long night for them. I think they're literally at about a 70% rate this year in killing. And, you know, that's, that's not good enough. And, you know, I, I asked, in fact, I asked Scott Sandlin, well, what, you know, how, how do you fix it? And he said, you know what, Mick? He said, we got to just not take penalties. <laughs> you know, that's the only way. So um, I think it's going to be a, a terrific game and, and uh, uh, you know, in that first round. Yeah, with the with the weapons Michigan has on that power play, I mean, they still have York, but of course they have Bordalo and Kent Johnson, who's a freshman, I have to remind myself right. sometimes. But yeah, it'll be interesting. But so, I mean, you look at the talent, you see the number one team, the favorite is North Dakota, though, the team, despite whoever wins the Michigan UMD game is North Dakota, the team that gets out of this region. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, here come the yellow jackets. Yeah, listen, it's it's a really good region. It it really is. It's a tough region with, with, uh, you know, three blue bloods in there and in Duluth and in Michigan and uh, in North Dakota. Um, yeah, you have to favor North Dakota. You know, they're playing in Fargo. They'll have fans there. You know, it's a, it's a comfort ring for them. Um, I, I think, uh, you know, their model motto is all business. Uh, they're going on a business trip. And, and so, um, I think North Dakota will come out of there. They should come out of there, but it's not going to be easy. No, it's never going to be easy. I, I've, I've learned cause we'll get to St. Cloud here. Actually, we're going to the Northeast region right now. And let's look at that matchup for St. Cloud versus Boston. And I is the this is the craziest thing. St. Cloud this year, 17 and 10. They lose to North Dakota in the NCHC final. That's what really helped them get into the tournament this year. This is probably the best year for St. Cloud to get to the Frozen Four. Because I'll be honest, Pat, it, it's a running gag here on this show. So ever since we started doing it, and before that, there are three certainties in life, and I hate to say it, but it's true. Death, taxes, and St. Cloud bowing out in the regionals. It's just because yeah. when it's just how it's been for so long. And but this year, they come into the season unranked. No expectations. You have David Hrenik in that, still a great goaltender, but no expectations for this team. And they worked their way back into being a top national powerhouse again. Here against Boston, a team that's only played 15 games this year. You know, this is a very interesting matchup, but I just think with St. Cloud this year, this is the year with little pressure on them. And this may be their thing that they need to kind of take that step to make it to the frozen four. Well, you know, I, you know, I, I, have seen a lot of their games this year and, and broadcasted, you know, uh, you know, the majority of them, you know, they're a team that it's different than they, than they have been in the past. They don't have a Jack of Sean. Um, they don't have the paling brothers uh, and uh, they, they don't have a lot of high enders, but what they have, is they have a lot of depth. They're a very, very quick team. Um, they've, they've, you know, they, they, they're D don't get involved in the offense as much as, as they have in the past. 
Um, but when they're going and, you know, they're not a big team. And so what they do is they're like little gnats out there. And, you know, they just keep hitting you and hitting you and hitting you, not with body blows, but, you know, just, you know, little, little jabs and, and they tire teams out. So when they're on their forecheck and when they're, when they're, when they have constant motion and are skating, they're a tough team. Um, that being said, it's all going to come down to David Rennick. Um, you know, he, 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 he's, he, he's, he's a wonderful kid, just a wonderful kid. And he's had a wonderful career, but when it gets to the big game, he hasn't been great. And, um, and if they want to, if they want to get to Pittsburgh, um, he's going to have to be great for him. And, uh, so, you know, I look at that game and yeah, BU's been, had a weird year. Uh, they were off for a whole month and, and, uh, and change and came back and, you know, got enough games in to get eligible to be in this tournament. And, uh, you know, so it'll, it'll be, uh, it'll be an interesting matchup. Um, I do favor St. Cloud. I might be a little biased, but, um, you know, if they are on their game and Rennick plays, I think they win. Of course, I, I'm a, I'm a little partial towards the Huskies a little bit because I, I like to see VT uh, Mietnin because I'm a Leafs fan and he's a Leafs prospect. So I'm like, ah, hey, you know, he's going to make right. sure he's doing well. And he's having he's a really a good year. year. Yeah, 23 he's great, points. He's had, you know, he's had, a, he's had a terrific year. And, uh, you, know, when, when you, you know, when you look at his release, um, it uh, it is one of the best in college hockey uh, behind Cole Caulfield, obviously. But uh, he can really get it off his blade and, and – uh, then he can score. So, you know, they're going to, they're going to need guys, you know, like a Brodzinski, like a Mietin and like an Okabe, uh, 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 Henches, uh, for example, those are the guys that are going to have to do the scoring for, for St. Cloud. And, and you know what you get to this time of the year and you need guys to step up and those guys have to. Yep. And I, th- I think this will be the, at least the Huskies get out of the first round this year. However, the second round may be a little interesting because looking at the other game in this region up in Albany, Boston College, a team that lost in the hockey semi, similar to Boston U, against Notre Dame. Now, we'll get to Boston College here in a second. They obviously have a really good team, 17-5-1 this year. But Notre Dame has seemingly gotten a lot of people into a whole hissy fit because they're 14-13-2. They lose in the quarterfinals. Pat, from what you've seen in the Fighting Irish this year, because I've watched them too, and I'm and I, they're good, but are they, do they deserve to be in this tournament? I, I think they do. And, you know, I fought with a lot of people on them and I had them in my, in my bracket, uh, from the get go, I've seen them play. Um, you know, the, the, the thing with them, they're a very, very difficult team to play, play against. Now, for some reason against Penn state in the, in the big 10 championships, um, they laid an egg, but a lot of teams laid eggs in, in their respective tournaments. Right. Right. And, but when they're on their game and, and they play, you know, they're, they're another one of those teams, um, that, you know, they, they play when, when, when Jeff Jackson has them all on the same page and they play that textbook hockey, the way that he wants them to play, they're, they're very difficult. They have some awfully skilled players. Um, and, you know, I, at times I'm like, why don't you let these guys go a little bit? Well, I can see why. But, but um, you know, it's going to be a tough matchup for Boston College. Boston College can score goals. There is no doubt about that. But they can also get frustrated. And Notre Dame is a team that can frustrate you. So, uh, you know, I, I, think, um, I think it's going to be a good game. 
Oh yeah, they they have a really good offense. They have the two brothers. The, and how about this one brothers. for you? Yeah. I picked Notre Dame to upset them. How about that? Oh, hot take, Micheletti coming hot in take. there. Notre Write Dame over BC. Writing it down here. We'll be sure we'll be sure to tweet. Remember, folks at Pat Mick two six two six on Twitter. Um, but well, let's be honest. I mean, if, if Dylan Dylan Saint Cyr at times this season has stolen the show, and we talk yep. about these one game playoffs. That's all you need in a game like this. You just, you just need a 45 exactly. safe performance. All you need. But then again, he's going up against Spencer Knight, who once again is a Mike Richter award nominee and having another great year, despite having some, he had a couple of games that were kind of close. Kind of had to uh, get, yeah. You know, I mean, they, they haven't defended very well. You know, they give up six uh, to Lowell in the semifinals and, and lost in double overtime. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it, it you know that that it's got to be concerning for Jerry York and uh, and and his staff. I will say this: since Spencer Knight came back from the World Juniors, he's been a little different. It's just he's looked a little different. I mean, he still has one of the best save percentages in the country, though, despite you know Boston College letting him get lit up a couple times this year. But like I said, it'll be a really interesting game. You say Notre Dame, so Saint Cloud, Notre Dame, possibly in the regional final. There is what you're saying. That's what I'm saying. Ooh, dude. Now here's the thing though. Does Hrenick have, does Renick have two good games in him or does Dylan well, St. Cyr lead the fighting Irish of all teams to the frozen four and just makes everyone in social media mad? Well, I tell you what, that, that, that could be, a, that could be a great game. Uh, if, if it does happen, but, uh, you know, I, I'd love to see St. Cloud do it. Brett Larson's done a, uh, a terrific job, but, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see this weekend. Uh, yeah, you're definitely gonna. It's really, it's so interesting. I'm always for the goaltending. Notice I'm not picking a winner on this one yet. I, I have, I've noticed on a couple. You, you did a really good job at the Minnesota State Minnesota one as well. we'll, I, we'll I can you. dance with the best of them. <laughs> so let's get to the last one here, Bridgeport, Connecticut, the East Regional. This one here has that Cole Caulfield kid. Hey, you talking about hanging in there? Whoever the heck that kid is, no one knows who he is. Only probably gonna win the Hobie Baker Award. Well, actually, that's a good question, Pat. Is Cole Caulfield the Hobie Baker Award winner this year? Well, I'm I'm sure he's going to get it, but I would give it to Dryden McKay. Uh, I've said that for the last month and a half. Anyone who has nine shutouts during the season, he's got 23 on his career. He needs four more to um, tie uh, Ryan Miller's career record for NCAA shutouts. Um, I I I think I think Caulfield will probably win it, but you know what? Uh, McKay should should get a lot of votes. I will say this, Pat, and this is because if you if if you ever had the chance, and if someone people that actually tuned into the Fair State Minnesota State game that Harrison and I did together, we pumped McKay's tires to the moon. At that point, he had a sub one goals against average, a right. nine, like a nine seventy. We're like, I and we said I said it off air. I didn't say it on air. I'm like. I'm like Harrison, he's going to win the Hobie this year. There's no way. And then Ferris does the unthinkable and gets him pulled. And I'm like, how does that happen? I mean, it's college, right. ho- it's college hockey, but it is, it's college hockey. But it seemed like since that game, I, I don't know if his, his numbers have just, he just, I don't know if it's confidence got rattled in that game or whatnot, but he just doesn't seem like the same world beating goaltender. And I think that's what may end up maybe hurting him. In well, this, you in know what? I, 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 you know, to, to be quite honest, I think Minnesota state needed this season to end you know, the regular season and the playoffs and get to the NCAAs. Um, you know, I, 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 I don't know uh, if, if they were thinking too far ahead or, you know, just kind of going through the motions, but uh, 
you know, they're going to have to find it this weekend, obviously. But, uh, you know, that may have played a little little part of it, too. Yeah, that, it was it was a little bit of a look because they were dominating teams so many. Like it was when McKay was getting a shutout every other weekend. I'm like, oh, now he's third. Now he's or he's fourth in all times shutouts. Now he's third. Now he's second. It's it was like every weekend he was going up the rankings. But right. Obviously, we'll see how he does. But let's get back to the Badgers here. They lost in the Big Ten Finals to Minnesota. A WCHA Classic Final in the Big Ten Final. Who would have thought? Badgers having, like I said, Cole Caulfield, the leading scorer in the country. Linus Weisbach, the third leading scorer in the country. Dylan Holloway was tied for fourth in the country. And they also have the goaltending, which I think is the biggest question mark for this team. They have Robbie Baydoon, who started the majority of the games, but then Cameron Rowe got the start in the, in the championship game. It seems like the Badgers, if they're going to want to make it through this bracket into the Frozen Four, it's going to be with the big dogs up front. Well, there's no doubt about it. Uh, They can score goals with anybody in the country. Um, But can they defend? Can they keep the puck out of their net? And now they're playing a team in Bemidji that no team in the country wants to play. Um, They play hard. They play fast. um, They're not pretty. Uh, They've got a very good goaltender in Zach Driscoll. Uh, who, who transferred from uh, St. Cloud State? Um, you know, there. You know, Tom Seratori's done a terrific job there. Uh, he rec- he recruits the people that want to be a Beaver, and and uh, you know he, he does a terrific job with them. I you know they're going to be tough. It's going to be a tough game. Um, you know, because because Bemidji will not quit, and they will play the full sixty. So if Wisconsin is not on their game. Um, it, it's going to be, it's going to be a battle. You know, they, again, they, they need to get the lead and make Bemidji change their game. And, you know, on the other hand, if Bemidji gets it, they'll shut it down and make it really, really tough, uh, for the Badgers to score. So, um, another good matchup in the first round. Yeah. I, I like the Beavers. I mean, I've seen them in person before and Alex Irillo's have another great year for them. And they are, they were the one team that, going into the season in the WCHA that I'm like, all right, if there's any team that's going to give Minnesota state fits, it's Bemidji. Yep. And beat them twice. Yep. That's, and they did that. So interesting game coming out of that one. It'll be the high powered offense of the Badgers versus the, I'd say experienced defensive stalwarts. That is the Beavers in this one, a one versus yep. four matchup that like we talked about, very contrasting styles. The other one in this region, the UMass Miniman, the hockey East champions versus the last WCHA champion ever, Lake Superior State. And before we get into this matchup, Pat, you played in the WCHA, playing for Minnesota. What is the, what is your feeling knowing that you saw the last WCHA game just this past weekend? Or this past well, weekend? you know, it's it's it, it, it's it was a great it was a great league, okay, and um, it's you know it, it's it's tough to see it go away. I. But let me tell you, I do believe, I, I truly believe that we're going to see realignment in two years. I've talked to a lot of people, and I think it's going to happen. So it, it may be the end of it for next year, but don't be surprised if we see the uh, emergence of it in a couple of years. I'll leave it at that. Um, but Certainly that being said, it, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I wish I could tell you more, and I will another time. But um, but. Um, no, it, uh, you know, it, it, it's, it's been a great league with a lot of great, great players, um, that have gone through there and, and, and furthered their careers. And, uh, you know, it was, uh, it was the best. 
Yeah, I believe if I'm not mistaken, it's the oldest of all the conferences, right? Correct. In the ECAC, because that, oh gosh, what I think he's called the Midwest Intercollegiate Hockey League way back in the day, back when like Michigan was way back, back, Correct. back when Al Renfrew and the Wolverines were just beating everyone, <laughs> right? Italy. Um, but but yeah, and that's how I'm like I would because I I was pertaining to it off the top of the show here, Pat. I when I was doing my studying on all like they did profiles on every single NCAA champion through the years for the hockey writers. It was one thing I learned was like, wow, the WCHA has been around for, it's the oldest league. I mean, there's the ECAC and that's why people think, oh, the hockey East is one of the greatest of all time. Probably the last 25, 30 years. Yeah. Because they haven't been around for a long time. Like Boston, Boston and Boston college are like, oh, that's an ECAC. And people are nowadays like, isn't the ECAC a weak conference? And I'll first say that. no, did you not remember the fact that Cornell was not allowed to play this year? This this uh, this whole tournament could be a whole lot of different if the Ivy League actually played this year. Well, without a doubt, yeah. It uh, you know, hey, it uh, it was a weird year, and you know, I, thank God we're, we're we're playing right. That that is for sure. So let's look at this last matchup here: the Lakers, a team that kind of stunned a lot of people. First of all, it's crazy that it was an all UP final there in the WCHA, them and the Wildcats. UMass, though. They've been a team that there were a couple of games early on that I was like, man, is this Minutemen team? Are they they struggling? I think they lost to UConn early on, but yep. they were able to pull it around. This is only their second ever appearance all time. Now, second in a row, if you consider the fact last year was canceled. But Bobby Trevigno had another great year, 30 points tied for first in the conference. They also have Matthew Kessel, Zach Jones, Josh Lapina, and Oliver Shaw. All of those guys getting 20 points. Lakers side of things, this is their first appearance in – 25 years. I was an infant when this team last made it to the tournament. Right. Ashton Calder, 25 points. They'll beat Vayette, 24 points. Merrick's Mittens, the best goal, one of the best goaltenders, ended up being the best goaltender in the WCHA statistically. Mike Richter nominee in his own right. This is a very interesting game because you have two teams that got hot at the right time, Pat, and they've got a lot of momentum heading into this regional game. Well, you know, what you're going to see out of Lake Superior State is meat and potatoes. Grind it, grind it, grind it, and grind you into the ground and, and then grind you some more. Um, you know, it's it's going to be a tough matchup for UMass, who I think is a little, little bit more skilled um, than Lake State. And, you know, then you've got the goalie factor and, and you know, which guy's going to come up big. But, uh, you know, you don't sleep on, on Lake State. Uh, you know, they're, as you said, um, you know, they're, they're catching their win now and they are playing extremely well, uh, obviously with, uh, winning the WCHA championship last week. Yeah. I'm pretty sure as long as no nets get knocked off late in the regulation for all of you, <laughs> all of you Lakers fans that or all of you St. Lawrence fans that remember, may, may remember 1988, maybe a little too well. Uh, or is that, is that 1988 or was that? Oh to... boy. No, you, you're, you're testing me here. No, no I'm trying uh, to think. Cause I remember I studied it. Cause that was their over. I thought that was their overtime win. I thought that was against St. Lawrence in 88. Yeah, Could have right? been. been. Cause there was, there was night. Cause apparently there was a big deal. Cause like Lake state always had drama with whatever they won. It was either a late penalty that wasn't called or a guy knocking the net off in the third period. That would have, should have been a penalty shot. It's all weird with Lake State. But then again, when you're literally on the border of Canada, just looking at across the Sioux Locks, literally that's where the campus of Lake Superior State is. Some things can be a little funny sometimes. But Yeah, no doubt about it. But uh, they are formidable, and, uh, you know, they could pull the upset. 
I'm going to call that one. I'm going to call Lake State winning. How about that? Lake State over UMass. That one is the win there. And, of course, we still have the Notre Dame versus Boston College, Notre Dame over Boston College, that we also have to make sure we keep tabs on for sure. All final regional games are going on this weekend, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday across the ESPN family of networks. Good to see that ESPN cares about hockey. They had to wait until literally this past week. Oh, pardon me. No, they signed the NHL. That's right. <laughs> yeah, apparently, that's a big story, though. But right. I, 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 that's the one thing I guess I hope for now, Pat. Maybe with the NHL coming back to ESPN, maybe they'll show some more games during the season on ESPN. I mean, obviously, there's flow hockey, and obviously, a lot of the network, a lot of the conferences have their own deal with their own networks, Big Ten Network being one and NCHC being another. But it'd be nice to get a few games on ESPN, right? Well, you know, the, you know, if you watch any of the playoffs in any of the sports and you talk to anybody in any sport, they will tell you that, that hockey is the most exciting to watch in the playoffs. And, um, you know, uh, you know, whether, and, and, and let's, let's face it, the NHL has had a terrible contract. Um, it, you know, NBC's done a great job. No, don't get me wrong, but, but, um, you know, they, they need, uh, they need to market themselves a little bit better and, and get more people interested. And, you know, hopefully the move is going to help. Um, you know, we, uh, we all love uh, watching the game and, and doing the games and, um, and, you know, it's a, it's the greatest sport in the world. No question about it, Pat. I'm uh, you can, let's see if you can waltz your way around this one. Okay. We, we talked about a couple of the teams we thought we'll get make it out of the first round. Is there a team that you have winning it all right now? Was there a team at the beginning of the season that you thought would be there? Or is there a team of these 16 that you think will be lifting the trophy as national champions here in a couple of weeks? Well, you know, as, uh, as much as I w- would love to say the Minnesota Gophers, I, you know, I, I, I just think North Dakota is, um, is awfully strong and, I think they're on a mission. I think they were on a mission a year ago. I thought they would have won the title a year ago. Um, so right now, I, I you know I'd have to I'd have to crown the, the champs. Well, I will say this: it'd be fitting if the Gopher, despite maybe me wanting the Maize and Blue to at least get one win, if the Go or if the Bulldogs, Minnesota Duluth Bulldogs, win, that at least means that North Dakota will have the chance to unseat the defending champions because you got if you want to be the best you got to beat the best and as of right now no doubt about it the best the team that has yet to lose their national crown that is the umd bulldogs we have been chatting with pat micheletti college hockey analyst from the great state of minnesota you can catch him beyond the pod k fan 100.3 fm up there in minnesota also the pod catchers as well Anything else you're working on, Pat, that we should probably plug here before we let you go? Oh, just, you know, I got my radio show uh, Saturdays from 10 to noon. If you want to go to iHeartRadio and, and as you mentioned, KFAN 100.3 100. Uh, on your dial. Um, you know, it's uh, a lot of college, a lot of pro, and uh, we, you know, we get national guests. So it's, uh, it's a lot of fun every Saturday, 10 to noon. 10 to noon on iHeart. Central time. Central yes. time. I should mention that. Yes. So 11 to 11 or yeah, 10 to holy cow. 11 God, to man. 1. 11, 11 to 1. 11 to 1 year time. You got it. I can math. Sort of. Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> Pat, thank you very much for taking the time once again. We'll certainly have to have you here when this thing's all said and done to get your reaction because it's always great talking college hockey with you, sir. My pleasure. Thanks. Anytime. Take care. And that was Pat Micheletti from Minnesota chatting with us here. Unfortunately, yes, we couldn't do the video chat with him, but that's okay. You can still hear his amazing voice and his amazing insight. Notre Dame over Boston College. That's interesting. 
So last thing here before we wrap things up here on this Monday night edition of the Kula Show. The NWHL, the National Women's Hockey League. Oh boy, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. The Isabel Cup wrapping up this weekend as well. I know, it's a lot. We're going to have the Isabel Cup and the NCAA Regionals. It's a lot. I get it. Trust me. We're all glad that the NCAA Women's Tournament was last week, so we didn't have all these big, we didn't have too much of an issue with scheduling and whatnot. So let's look at these teams. The Toronto Six, the Boston Pride, the Minnesota Whitecaps, and the Connecticut Whale, the Whale from Connecticut. So here's how the games are going to work. I almost burped right into the microphone. That could have been disgusting. So Friday night, by the way, all games on NBC Sports Network. That's huge because the fact that, well, national audience. And I think that's, and here's the kicker too. The NWHL also is going to have a, excuse me, we're going to have an all-women broadcast as well, which I think is even a bigger deal. Like we said, all of them on NBC Sports Network, the games are five o'clock and eight o'clock on uh, five o'clock and eight o'clock on Friday, Saturday. I'm just pulling it up here just so I can quickly look at it. Saturday, seven o'clock, all of them on NBC Sports Network. And also they're going to be on the Twitch as well. Yes, they're going to be on Twitch as well. So if you want to get into the Twitch chat room like a lot of us did during the original Isabel Cup Round Robin, you can do that as well. So let's get to the matchups here. The Toronto Six versus the Boston Pride. Of course, Toronto versus Boston. Honest to goodness, I I don't want... I, I'm supposed to make picks for these games, but I'm terrified. So the Six went for... They lost their first game to the Metropolitan Riveters. Then they blow the 5 nothing lead to the Whitecaps. End up coming back. They lost that game in a shootout. Then they decided they were just going to go on this four-game win streak and completely run through the rest of the league, including beating the Boston Pride. I know, right? A win over Boston. Michaela Grant-Mentis, of course, was the big reason behind it. She had nine points in five games that she played. Or, excuse me, six, all six games that she played. She was obviously held pointless in the shutout against the Riveters. Got points in every game after that. Two goals and an assist versus the Whitecaps in the second game. And a goal and two assists against Connecticut. Lindsay Eastwood also had a really good turn, uh, good round robin with a goal and five assists. Taylor Woods had four goals. But I believe, well, I mean, despite maybe not getting the crazy amount of shots some other goaltenders did in the round robin, Elaine Shuley was just outstanding when she needed to be. Because there were a couple times when the six would get running around. Like I said, this is a first-year team. So sometimes it'll happen with the mixture of veterans and rookies coming in this league. But still a 161 goals against average, a 9368 percentage, one shutout. She played in every game. And like we talked about, she gives up five goals against Minnesota, but other than that, she looks really good. She gave up eight goals in the first two games that she played. And after that, just shut it down. Was solid. The team around her was solid, and they were able to pick things up and be the number one seed heading into the semifinals. The Boston Pride are a team that I did not think was going to be here they were they had a, they win their first game by a lot but then they just started to really get stifled they just started to get their teeth kicked in by all these teams not just to the toronto six but they also lost to connecticut they, they just couldn't find a way to win however 
They get a chance. Obviously, after the Riveters pulled out, they had an opportunity to best of three series against Buffalo to earn the number four seed. And their offense erupted. They lose the first game in the series as well. That's what I think people forget. They lost that first one to Buffalo, the Buttes, and then they come out and just lambast the Buttes in the next two games. Christina Putigna was a big part of that. Two goals, six assists. McKenna Brand, three goals, four assists. You know, Jillian Dempsey, despite playing with one arm, she produces well. Kaylee Franklin led the team with nine points, all of them being assists. They're gonna look to they're gonna need a better effort though. Other goaltender Levis Sealander, who went two and three during the tournament, one four seven goals against average and a nine four seven save percentage. I know the nine four seven looks really good, but she's gonna have to be really good against the six, this really high powered offense, this offense that is clicking right now. I don't want to make a pick. You know what? I'm, I'm this is gonna probably get some hate on for for my Toronto friends and Digit Murphy, who I've had on the show before. But gosh almighty, I, I, I'm just going to do it. Boston. Boston because I I, I don't want to do it. I don't want to pick for Toronto and jinx them. I'm not going to do it. I'm just going to pick Boston and get it over with, okay? Which means the winner is going to come out of this next semifinal, Minnesota and Connecticut. This will be the 8 o'clock game on Friday night. The Whitecaps are 3-1. They looked really solid going to the semifinals. They looked like they were going to be one of the top two teams. I thought it was going to be them and the Riveters, to be honest with you, after the first few games. But they were able to kind of bounce back and forth. Nina Rogers, two goals and four assists. Andre Richards, a goal and three assists. Haley Mack also had a couple of good games as well. But Amanda Levier, by the way, the best goal pads in the league, best goal pads in hockey right now, fishes on her pads. Three and one, two, four, seven goals against average. Eh, nine, three, six save percentage, though. She had to make 41 saves against Toronto on the game on January the 30th. It was a loss, unfortunately. And 38 saves against the Riveters on January 28th. So she can get a heavy workload. However, I don't know if Minnesota's going to have to worry about that. I think Minnesota's got this game against Connecticut because, unfortunately, Connecticut, while they are their offense comes from everywhere, they, they score by committee, no player has over a goal. No player has more than one goal. Emma Vlasic is second on the team with a goal and three assists. Alyssa Wolfheiler, she has a goal and four assists. It's going to come down to Abby Ives. This will be the mat- a matchup of the goaltenders. Abby Ives versus Amanda Levier. At, or Abby Ives, excuse me, 2.01 goals against average and three starts, 9.36 save percentage. It's hard to not look at the Whitecaps as the favorite in this game. They're really talented, really good. But on the same token, I don't know if they're going to be able to hold off the Whitecaps, their pressure that they're going to have. They have a lot of... They have a lot of depth and talent. They're a little bit deeper, and I think the Whitecaps are, you know, they're they were champions a couple of years ago, and they could have done a lot of damage last year as well. They actually did some damage last year, but I think they'll make it back to the Isabel Cup final. They'll take on Boston on Saturday, and and that's going to be a game where you got to give the credit, you got to give the advantage to Minnesota in terms of goaltending. Once again, Amanda Levier. I look at her and I think she can outplay Sealander, and if she can stop. The Pride's best, and if the defense for Minnesota can step up and slow down the Pride's offense, that'll be the game that the Whitecaps want to win. And the Pride, I know they're looking to bounce back. They were really close. They had an opportunity in 2020, but I think that'll be a, it'll be a great matchup. But I believe the Whitecaps will beat Boston on Saturday to win the NWHL Isabel Cup for 2021. Now, it is in Boston. It's the, the practice rink for the Boston Bruins. So, yes, the Pride will have the advantage, if you will. But, I don't know, are they going to have fans there? That'll be interesting. 
But so it'll be interesting. I like to think that the Boston Pride will make it to the final, but I don't know if they can win it all. Minnesota on the road. Hey, you know it's 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 kind of funny. Kendall Coyne Schofield, former White Cap PWHPA member now. She's always in those Duncan commercials at that same rink. Maybe she'll sprinkle a little Minnesota luck on that sheet of ice for the Whitecaps this weekend. But that is it for this one, folks. I know it's a little bit shorter. Unfortunately, we had issues with the video once again this week, but that's okay. We can still get the awesome podcast form. It's actually the only, it's only going to be the podcatcher this week simply because of the fact that we weren't able to get the internet working this time around. So nonetheless, we'll be back next week. We're going to do some more testing, so hopefully we actually get the stinking starkin' video to work the entire way through. If not, well, at least you'll still have the awesome podcast podcast form audio form for you here on your favorite podcatcher. My goodness, are we going to have another 15 seed win? Right now, Texas A&M is battling with number 15 Troy in the women's tournament right now. This is nuts. The craziest year ever for college sports, which is why maybe Notre Dame will actually beat Boston College in the NCAA hockey tournament, like Pat said. So that is it for this one, folks. I'm Tyler Kuehl, the insider of the insider, saying thank you for once again for sticking with us here on this Monday night show, this TKS for March the 22nd. We'll be back next week talking about who made it out of the Frozen Four or made it to the Frozen Four and uh, and who's going to, you know, maybe possibly win the national championship. Also, we'll recap the NWHL champions as well and more hockey talk, NHL talk. Stuff like that. Anyways, I'm Tyler Kuehl saying goodbye, everyone, and thank you for watching and listening to The Kuehl Show.